This is Molly Hemingway, encouraging you to listen to my favorite podcast, Issues, etc. Every day you get in-depth interviews with host Todd Wilkin asking expert guests substantive, thought-provoking questions on all of the important news and issues of our day. The expert guests are in culture, law, ethics, philosophy, theology, and apologetics. Expert guests, expansive topics, always extolling Christ, issues, etc. For decades now, the advocates of assisted suicide have been working and toiling largely in anonymity, working and and dealing with bad press from characters like Dr. Kevorkian and Dr. Death. But we have to admit, at least legally, they seem to be gaining ground, not only in the U.S., but especially in Canada and in Western Europe. What does it mean for the future of assisted suicide in the United States? And is there a correlation between increased legalization of assisted suicide and an increase in suicides in general. Welcome back to Issues Etc. Joining us to talk about a new study on assisted suicide and the increase in suicides, Wesley Smith, Senior Fellow at the Discovery Institute Center on Human Exceptionalism. He's an attorney and consultant to the Patients' Rights Council, author of several books including Culture of Death, The Age of Do Harm Medicine, and author of a column for National Review Online, titled Legalizing Assisted Suicide Increases Suicide. Wesley, welcome back. Hey, Todd, how are you? So what is assisted suicide so we know what we're talking about, and why has it been gaining legal ground in the U.S. and elsewhere? Assisted suicide, in the sense that we're talking about, sometimes called physician-assisted suicide, in the United States, it's when a doctor prescribes a lethal amount of drugs knowing that the patient will kill themselves using those drugs, and that's the purpose for the prescription. Most places outside the United States, it's actually active euthanasia, where in most cases the doctors lethally inject the patient. And the reason for the patient wanting to die in in the United States is mostly terminal illness, which is pretty loosely defined. In other countries like Canada, Belgium, the Netherlands, It's just about any medical condition that causes suffering, including mental illness. Why has it been gaining legal ground? That's an interesting question. I think what's happened, and sometimes I give speeches on this, Todd, but I think what's happened is that the ultimate purpose of society for many people has moved from protecting innocent life or perhaps promoting righteousness to eliminating suffering. And if eliminating suffering becomes the prime directive, if you will, that very quickly morphs into eliminating the sufferer. And then that also leads to an inflation of of what the meaning of suffering that justifies death becomes. And that's what you've seen, for example, in Canada, where euthanasia began in 2015, requiring that death be reasonably foreseeable, which is for all of us, but it's a pretty weak guideline to now the point that people with disabilities, people with chronic illnesses, starting next year, people with mental illnesses will be able to obtain euthanasia. There are even cases in 
Canada now of people who are homeless or one man who is homeless asking for euthanasia because of his homelessness. That hasn't happened yet, but people uh, being euthanized, elderly people, because they worried about the isolation of COVID lockdowns and so forth. So once you unleash the monster over time, sometimes sooner, sometimes later, the killable cast, C-A-S-T-E, of people generally expands very quickly. Tell us about this recent study, and it's actually a kind of an aggregate study, from the Anscombe Bioethics Center. It's something that I've, I've been fighting assisted suicide euthanasia since 1993, almost 30 years, good grief. And I always thought that there should be studies on whether the promotion of assisted suicide has an impact on suicide generally. Because assisted suicide advocacy is suicide advocacy. It's not something different from suicide. It's just saying that a a particular class of suicide should be facilitated by the state while other classes of suicide should not be. But that makes no logical sense to me. It's like saying, well, we don't want you to smoke, but if you smoke, use a filter cigarette. I mean, the whole message gets diluted and it gets and, and it's contradictory. So there have now been a few studies, not that many, and they've all found that the legalization of assisted suicide or euthanasia is associated with an increase generally in suicides overall and often suicides that are not part of the assisted suicide category. In other words, somebody goes out and jumps off a bridge. The interesting thing is that in a lot of jurisdictions where euthanasia and assisted suicide are legal, they artificially diminish the total suicide rate because they redefine assisted suicide as not suicide, as if I take an overdose of prescribed drugs and kill myself, that's not suicide. But if I take a gun and shoot myself, that is suicide. It's ridiculous. Suicide describes what is done, not why it is done. So when you legalize suicide euthanasia, you have legalized and given the state's imprimatur for some suicides. And we, and at that, that point, you're no longer an anti-suicide culture. You become a pro-some suicide culture. Has any study found a reduction in suicide rates correlated to assisted suicide? Not that I'm aware of. So you say that these findings are only logical. Go into a little more detail there. Sure. You, you have advocacy for suicide as an appropriate answer to suffering. And once you do that, then how is a suffering person to say, well, some kinds of suffering qualify for suicide facilitation and support and suicide parties and doctors giving prescriptions? Let's say I'm outside of that parameter, but mine doesn't. That's not how the mind works. When somebody is suicidal, it's because they're suffering. It's because they're in anguish. It's because they're in despair. And they're not going to think, oh, well, That suicide law doesn't apply to me because I don't have cancer. I lost my business and my child was killed in a swimming pool accident. That's not how people think. That's not how emotion works. So it's only logical that when you promote suicide, for some people, it's also going to leak over into other people who are not part of the uh, promoted categories will think, well, that should also apply to me. Why do you say that this is really an all or nothing situation? Well, I just don't think you can say, well, we're going to prevent some suicides and promote others. There's no logic there. You know, Lincoln during the um, 
abolitionist arguments running up to the Civil War gave a very famous speech in, in which he said, you know, at some point, because you had half the states free states, half the states slave states, that was not tenable. You could not keep that going. And that at some point, it would the country would all become one thing or all the other. And I think that's also true about suicide, because you have mutually incompatible value systems. You can't say, well, people have a right to have help because they want to die on their own terms, which is a phrase often used in media and in assisted suicide advocacy, and then say, well, dying on one's own terms doesn't apply to this particular person because I don't approve of that reason for committing suicide. It's not logical. We're either going to try to prevent all suicides or we're at the end, at some point, we're going to facilitate or allow all suicides. The German Supreme Court it's the constitutional court in that country, already came to that conclusion. It has issued a ruling saying that there is a fundamental constitutional right in Germany to suicide for any reason without any kind of limitation as to being ill or anything of that sort. And further, it ruled that there is a concomitant fundamental right to be assisted in suicide and to assist in suicide, death on demand. So that becomes the logical conclusion of this advocacy. I think for many in the movement, that's where they want to go. They're just too political to state that because people aren't quite yet ready to swallow that. But I think you'll you'll notice, at least I have over the last several decades, there's been a great diminution in the the hold that suicide prevention has on the general population. I think people are still certainly against youth suicides, and they're certainly still against veteran suicides, and you see people mobilizing to prevent those. But generally speaking, I don't think suicide prevention has the same kind of emotional attachment to the people. And we're in a suicide crisis. It's now been declared a public health crisis because suicide is increasing. And even as suicide is increasing, you still see this promotion for assisted suicide and euthanasia, which is contradictory if your goal is to reduce the number of suicides. Wesley Smith is our guest. We're talking about a new study on assisted suicide and an increase in suicides. We will explore the arguments for assisted suicide next. Thanks to our beloved on-demand listeners, Issues Etc. consistently ranks among the top podcasts in religion and spirituality. You can help us climb the charts by subscribing, rating, and reviewing Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us cast Christ's net on the internet. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's life ministry is thousands of people sharing Christ's love and mercy and giving witness to our Lord's creation of life, His design for marriage and the family, and the God-given value of all human life from conception to natural death. Working with many partners, LCMS Life Ministries sponsors human care efforts that meet the needs of body and soul and provides resources and educational events for all ages. To learn more, email lifeministry at lcms.org and visit lcms.org life. Your comprehensive source for information, teaching, and truth. You're listening to Issues Etc.
Memoria Press award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next purchase by using the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. What is eternal life? How do you understand it? How do you imagine it? We're full of all sorts of ideas of what eternal life might be like. And yet, the scriptures are clear. Eternal life centers on Christ and him crucified for the sins of the world. The November issue of the Lutheran Witness explains some of these misconceptions about eternal life and what the scriptures say. So to learn more, pick up your copy of the November issue of the Lutheran Witness. Visit witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, teaching you to interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about a new study on assisted suicide and an increase in suicides with Wesley Smith of the Discovery Institute Center on Human Exceptionalism. Folks, you have until December 15th to register for Lutherans for Life at the March for Life, Lutherans for Life's Conference for Adults, and the Y for Life Youth Conference, January 19th through the 21st in Washington, D.C. Find out more at lutheransforlife.org, lutheransforlife.org. Wesley, what are some of the arguments of assisted suicide advocates? Well, they say they engage in really rank sophistry. They say that assisted suicide isn't suicide at all. It's what they sometimes call medical aid in dying or aid in dying. Sometimes they'll use the acronym MAID, M-A-I-D. The idea here is that, uh, well, if but for your terminal illness or but for your serious medical condition, you would want to live. So the fact that you're committing suicide isn't really suicide. But that's true for anyone who wants to commit suicide. If my child hadn't died in that swimming pool, I would want to live. Well, again, suicide isn't about why something is done. Suicide is what is done, and that's take one's own life. And of course, that even gets more acute when it becomes euthanasia, because you end up legalizing homicide, doctors giving lethal injections, and eventually you move to the place where on some occasions uh, the patient might not even be wanting it at that time. There's already a case out of the Netherlands where a doctor actually had a family hold down a woman with dementia so she could euthanize her because the woman had said before she became uh, noncognizmentous that she would want euthanasia at some point, but she wanted to be the one to decide when. And when she didn't decide when, the doctor said, well, I say it's time, and she did it. And that ended up having the Netherlands actually change the law to allow such things there because nothing can get away of that death a juggernaut. Because once you say killing is an acceptable answer to human suffering, that becomes the overriding goal. What's the current legal status of assisted suicide in the U.S.? Nine to 10 states plus the D.C. uh, District of Columbia have legalized uh, assisted suicide for people with terminal illnesses. But you're really now moving along where there's a lawsuit, for example, in Oregon saying that there shouldn't be a residency requirement or it may be in Vermont. You have assisted suicide by telemedicine, meaning doctors never even meet the patient. So you have this 
veneer of, oh, it's only for the terminally ill when nothing else can be done to eliminate suffering. Well, none of the laws require that nothing else be able to be done to eliminate suffering. The definition of terminal ill is very loose, and uh, there really isn't a whole lot of control because the state only looks after the fact based on self-reporting of doctors. You see um, time limits being shortened, and you see efforts moving in the states to eventually expand who's eligible. The United States has kind of held back the tide better than places certainly like Canada, Belgium, New, uh, the Netherlands, Germany. But eventually we'll get to where they are. It's just taking a longer period of time. So tell us more about Canada's suicide policy. Well, Canada is really frightening because, uh, you know, whenever I've talked about, well, if you legalize this stuff, you're going to conjoin it with organ harvesting. In fact, my first anti-euthanasia piece in Newsweek in 1993 said just that. I was accused of being alarmist. I was accused of being an hysteric, et cetera, et cetera. We would never do that. Well, that is now done all the time in the Netherlands, Belgium, and Canada. And when I would say things like that before Canada legalized, I'd mention Belgium and the Netherlands, and proponents or skeptics would say, oh, well, we're not Belgium or the Netherlands, but we are very close to Canada. They're our closest cultural cousins. And what's happened in Canada is that that society has swallowed the hemlock with great enthusiasm. So within a couple of years of that reasonable, foreseeable death standard, which was forced onto the country by the Supreme Court of Canada, they've now loosened it to include disabilities. They've loosened it to include chronic illnesses and other reasons for of suffering. Mental illness will start in March of next year, euthanizing the mentally ill. They've also conjoined organ harvesting with euthanasia in Ontario. Just as an example, if somebody applies for euthanasia and is accepted, the organ donation society will contact them and basically say, well, since you're going to die, can we have your liver? And these are people that are not being given suicide prevention. So they're being actually given another reason why their deaths will have greater value than their lives. In the Netherlands and Belgium already, people with mental illnesses will go to hospitals. They'll be killed in that hospital. They'll be wheeled into a uh, adjoining surgical suite, and their organs will be harvested. And these are things that are only logical when you decide that protecting life isn't your highest value, but eliminating suffering is. And that's where this heads. And when people who screamed and yelled, oh, that'll never happen, you're an hysteric. And when you say, look, it is happening, they'll say, oh, so what? Because that's how this stuff works. What legislative and legal steps need to be taken to halt assisted suicide? Well, first off, people have to resist it in every state where it's pushed because it isn't just this tiny little simple change in ethics. It's a radical alteration in the relationship between doctor and patient, and it turns doctors into killers or facilitators of suicide. I would like to see, and I'm not holding my breath, I would like to see a federal regulation enacted or a federal law passed that says controlled substances cannot be used in assisted suicide because the federal government has jurisdiction over the use of controlled substances. Right now, uh, most assisted suicides are caused by controlled substances, overdoses of barbiturates and opioids. And I would like to see that there be a regulation saying these drugs, such as morphine and things of that sort, or barbiturates to help one sleep, are for legitimate medical purposes, for federal law, 
facilitating death is not a legitimate medical purpose. I would like to see that. There was an attempt to do that under the George W. Bush administration, but it was done through the Department of Justice, but not through a formal regulation, but just one of these guideline letters. And the Supreme Court issued a ruling saying, ah, you didn't do that right. You can't do that by a guideline letter. But they also said in that Supreme Court decision that if Congress wanted to do it, it could. And that's what I would like to see. But it would take a lot of change in our current political makeup for that to happen. Wesley Smith is senior fellow at the Discovery Institute Center on Human Exceptionalism. He's an attorney and consultant to the Patients' Rights Council. He's author of several books, including Culture of Death, The Age of Do Harm Medicine, and author of a column for National Review Online titled Legalizing Assisted Suicide Increases Suicide. You can read it at issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Wesley, thanks. Thanks, Todd. Wednesday on Issues Etc. We'll begin a series with Dr. Curtis Giese on the opponents of Jesus and its media coverage of religion with Terry Mattingly. Then on Thursday, we'll discuss proof texting early church fathers in Roman Catholicism with Dr. Stephen Parks. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc., Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Wildwood, Missouri is a proud sponsor of Issues Etc. And if you enjoy the relevant, Christ-centered teachings presented on this program, then you should come and join us at St. Paul's on Sundays at 9 a.m., where you will hear sermons that proclaim Jesus Christ and Him crucified for our sins and enjoy in-depth Bible studies to help us grow as disciples. For more information, check us out at stpaullutheranwildwood.org. Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville, Illinois, is looking for an English teacher with a master's degree for the 2023-24 school year. Edwardsville is 30 minutes from downtown St. Louis. The position would involve teaching upper-level, dual-credit English classes. For more information, send an email to Principal Jay Krause, J-A-Y-K-R-A-U-S-E, at M-E-L-H-S dot org, jkrause at M-E-L-H-S dot org. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. 
Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com.